Come on. Come on, Matthew. Yeah. Amen. I love the, the teacher coming out of Skylar right there, the thumbs up. So I'm going to ask you guys, can everybody put a bubble in their mouth? So you don't talk in my sermon. All right. No, I'm joking. Anyway, we are so glad uh, that you guys uh, decided to join us this morning. I am stirred up, man. First service went nuclear in here, and uh, we had an encounter with God. And we believe we're just going to be in the overflow of uh, overflow. Overflow. Um, yeah, we bind the flu in Jesus' name. Uh, the overflow uh, of first service this morning. Uh, I believe God's going to do something special. I have an exciting message I'm going to preach to you about renewing your mind through prayer. And um, before I do this, I want to talk to you really quick. Come on. How many of you know that we've been fasting for the month of January? Hallelujah. We've been in a, a season of fasting and prayer, and uh, it's been a special time. Uh, if you've participated with us in that, awesome. We, we just thank God for you, and we believe we're going to see the, the fruit of that in the coming year. And um, I believe we are just about to just step into new realms of glory and new realms of where God is taking us as a church. And he does that through prayer and fasting. Um, but I want to talk to you really quick. I want to share a story before I get into my sermon that just deeply touched me. And um, it's kind of concerning prayer and fasting. You know, fasting can be hard. And if you say, uh-uh, then teach me your ways. Fasting can be hard. I know a joker that did a 40-day water fast. I look at that dude all the time. I'm like, golly, man. Fasting can be hard. And, um, but there's a benefit to fasting. I mean, you know, there's a benefit to fasting. That as our flesh begins to die, and we begin to deny the flesh, and we begin to resist the flesh, we begin to hear God's spirit more. We begin to experience, sometimes in the, in the season of fasting, you walk into encounter without even having, having to try for it, without even having to bring it down. You just walk into encounter because God draws close to you in a season of fasting. God sustains you in a season of fasting. And I heard a story from this woman who leads a woman ministry. Uh, she came out of Catholicism, uh, and uh, she still honored the sisterhood. So she started a uh, women's ministry, but they're charismatic, but they were still honoring the sisterhood of what they came out of at the Catholic Church. And she was the leader of this ministry, and the Lord called her away um, for a week, uh, for three days to start. The Lord said, will you give me three days? And the woman said, of course, Lord, I'll give you three days to prayer and to seeking my face. And she said, of course. So she, she cleared her calendar and she laid before the Lord for three days. Just him and her. Just nothing but prayer and worship for three days straight. 72 hours nonstop. Well, when she got to the end of the three days, the Lord spoke to her and said, now will you give me a week? And she said, of course, Lord, I'll give you a week. So she cleared her calendar again and she laid before the Lord for a week. And in prayer and worship, nothing but just laying before the Lord. And when the week ended, the Lord spoke to her and said, now will you give me a month? And she said, Lord, I have to go back to the ministry. I have to go back to work. Things are going to fall apart. No one's there to lead it. No one's there to see it through. No one's there to supervise. God, what about the ministry? He said, will you just give me a month? And she said, okay, Lord, I'll give you a month. So she laid on her face before the Lord for an entire month in nothing but prayer and worship. She locked herself away for a month. Well, when the month came to a close, she came out of the month, and the Lord, you, you would think the Lord would release her, but the Lord spoke and said, will you give me a year? And she said, God, and this woman now is probably around 65, 66 years old, and she's telling this story, and tears are coming down her face. She said, God, I 
the ministry will fall apart. I can't be gone a year. I've been gone a month. You can only tell me what's happened. (laughs) I have to go back. And he said, will you just give me a year? She said, Lord, I'll give you anything you ask. I'll give you a year. And as soon as she said yes to giving the Lord a year, the Lord told her, go back to the sisters. Go back to the ministry. I was just looking for a yes. I was just looking for a yes. Friends, a lot of times in this walk with God, in a season of fasting, in a season of prayer, God's just looking for your yes. God's just looking for your obedience. God's just looking for your faithfulness, and he can bless that. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I am ready to preach to you this morning. Um, But I have an announcement. Say announcement. Come on, yeah. All right. Well, this announcement is a little separate from the rest of the church. I've already uh, messaged some of you, talked to some of you about it. I know around 50 of you are already registered for this, um, but I'm super excited. You know, since being on staff here at Calvary for four years now, coming up on five, that's four, coming up on four. Um, I, uh, that's crazy. And uh, since being here, before I was here, I traveled and preached a lot. When I came here, I remember when Adi called me and offered me the job. We were still living in Alabama. And I said, man, you know my commitment to travel and preach. Like I am an evangelist. It burns up on the inside of me. He said, absolutely. He said, and and we're going to honor that here when you come here. And I was just like, oh, sweet. So I came to a house that honored the call of God on my life that loved the call of God on my life, that steward the love of the, the call of God on my life, as well as let me flourish as a pastor. I have a lot of mentors in my life from people like uh, Apostle Jim Rayleigh, uh, Pastor Tommy Bates, John Kilpatrick, all these people that we've heard about. And they travel and preach, but yet they're pastors too. So I have role models in my life that I've modeled this ministry by, that I've took their wisdom and, and ran with it. And Calvary's been such a good place to host me and to help me and support me And this year, the Lord began to speak to my heart about dreaming for bigger, reaching more places. The Lord's anointed our life to reach a young generation for the gospel. Uh, I believe this year I'm right around, uh, if I confirm all of them, I'm right around 30 bookings from youth conferences to youth camps to Sunday morning services. And I do it all around the youth ministry. Uh, There's been, I mean, countless times that I preached Wednesday night here at youth group, led a Bible study with our youth on Thursday, caught a flight Thursday night, was at a place 12 hours away preaching a revival Friday night and Saturday, got a red eye back Saturday night, and was hosting service on Sunday morning. I am committed to the local church, but I'm also committed to reaching a generation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as long as there's breath in my lungs, I will do what God has called me to do until he says otherwise. And I'm grateful I'm in a house that supports that, that loves that, and backs me in that. And... um, Pastor Odyssey gave me the, uh, the green light this year. He's like, you know what? You build your partner base, build support so that you can dream bigger, that you can host events and host conferences and chase after things that God's calling you to do as well as run with us here at Calvary. So March 16th, I need to work on this graphic. It's a little blurry. Promise by the next time we talk about it, it will be better. But um, March 16th here at Calvary, look, this is how hand in hand we are. Coreyball.online slash banquet. The guy who made my website, he goes, you got to make it look like, you, you know, hand in hand. 
calvary.online slash events, coreyball.online slash banquet. And um, we are going to have our partners banquet that night. I'm going to tell you about the history of the ministry, the vision of the ministry, the current state of the ministry. And uh, we invite all of you. I have messaged some of you personally. I consider you friend, but I wanted to open it up um, to the church as well and invite all of you. I know we're in the middle of a fast, but I'm going to feed you really good that night. And we're going to just have a good time, eat food together, break bread, and talk about reaching a generation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I invite you guys out March 16th at 6 p.m. Register at coreyball.online slash banquet. So we have the correct number to order the food. So everybody has more than enough and we don't have to pray for God to extend the food. Amen. And uh, we believe we're going to have a good night of fellowship and casting vision and uh, just just having a, a great time together. So I invite all of you guys out to that in Jesus name. Say amen. All right. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? All right, um, I'm going to try to do better with water breaks because I have a baby dedication in third service and I got to preach again and I don't want this voice to go away. So um, I'm going to try to put my vocal practice into play. Are you ready for this? Let's see if it works out. But how many you know that God loves you just as you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't leave you like you are? good news. He loved me just as I was, but he loves me so much he doesn't leave me like I was. Amen. Are you grateful that Jesus has changed your life? Can you wave at me if Jesus has changed your life? But today I want to talk to you about the power of your thinking. In 2024, we need to think better. Coming out of this fast, we need to think better. How I mean, you know you need to think better? I don't know about you, but it's time to think better. I've heard it said like this many, many times. I heard it said before that you have to get your, you have to get rid of your stinking thinking. You have to get rid of your stinking thinking. Get your head out of the nonsense and get your head into God's word. That's where he can change you. You see the lid on your life, friend, is not your employer. It's not your bank account. It's not your family, but it's your thought life. It's your thought life. Proverbs 23 says, so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It is your thought life. Kent, Colin Henderson, who's an author, he says this, we have to remember we have all been raised by trauma, drama, daddy, and mama. Can you testify to that? We have all been raised by trauma, drama, daddy, and mama. We have all went through some stuff to each their own. You have went through some stuff. But what I love about God is he was with us in the stuff. Aren't you grateful that God was with you in the mess? God was with you when nobody else was with you. God was for you when nobody else was for you. God was with you in the stuff. And God is not only in the business of changing your mind. God is in the business of changing your life. Come on, this is the good news of the gospel. If you have your Bible today, let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to preach to you from the NLT, but I will go back to the New King James at the end. These are my two favorite translations. If you read anything else outside of these two, that's on you. But I love reading these two translations. I like the ESV too, but mainly the NLT and the New King James. So, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living, catch this, a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find, catch this too, acceptable. That's in the New Testament. It is in the New Testament that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let's highlight that in our mind. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The New King James says, by renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Come on, aren't you grateful that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect? Come on, right here at the beginning, though, true worship is not just our singing and not just our dancing, not just our, you know, our, our shouting and our jumping and our leaping, which is all good. We need to be more like David, get even more undignified than this. But true worship is not just our singing and our dancing. Romans 12 says, true worship is how we live our life. True worship is how we live our life. So I've come to tell you, give yourself fully to God. Not a dead sacrifice, but like it says, a living sacrifice. One of the differences in the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, they would kill an animal to offer a sacrifice. But in the New Testament, please don't get offended at me. In the New Testament, it says to kill your ego and offer yourself as a sacrifice. Old Testament, kill an animal and offer it as a sacrifice. New Testament, kill your ego, deny your flesh, and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. God wants you to be a living sacrifice. Come on, that's good preaching right there. Every day, you should lay your life down. Every day is a day lived for Jesus. Every day is a day. How much more can I decrease so that God can increase? Are you with me this morning? How much more can I decrease so God can increase? Living a life devoted to Jesus is true worship. Living a life separated from the ways of the world, holy and consecrated. Come on, God's looking for a generation that is holy and consecrated. Holy and consecrated. Disciplined in the Word of God. Disciplined in the relationship with Christ. Disciplined in fasting. Disciplined in prayer. Disciplined in worship. Disciplined in the relationship with Jesus. God is looking for a generation that is separate from the world. Come on, are you that generation? Amen. There are two things right here in Romans 12 that I want to show you. I, I believe they're very, very important. And number one, remember Pastor Otis has been in a series of prayer here at the church. We've been talking about prayer and fasting. So we're going to connect renewing our minds to the, to the definition of prayer, to an example of prayer. So number one, pray for God to change the way you think. Number one, pray for God to change the way you think. Back to the beginning of this message. It's time in 2024 for you, for me, for all of us to stop our stinking thinking. It's time in 2024 for us to stop thinking nonsense and get into the word of God and think God's thoughts and believe God's thoughts, act on God's thoughts and live this thing out. Amen. Number one, pray for God to change the way you think. 
Verse 2 says, don't, again, going back to Romans 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. The Bible also says, and I quoted this a while ago, Proverbs 23, what's that say again? For so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have to let God change our thoughts. You see, whatever you believe fuels your mindset, and your mindset fuels your behavior. Whatever you believe begins to fuel your thoughts, and your thoughts begin to fuel your actions. So if you believe in the God of the Bible, then it fuels your mind, your thoughts, to think rightly about God. A.W. Tozer says the most important thing a Christian can do is think rightly about God. This is from his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. The most important thing a person living a holy and consecrated life, a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, can do is think rightly about God. Thinking rightly about God, friends, he truly is holy. He truly is strong and mighty. He truly is full of grace and mercy. He truly is everything he said he was. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the glory of the latter house. He is everything we need and more. So we have to think rightly about God. Again, our thoughts, our mindset fuels our behavior. How you think is how you act. If you begin to believe and think these things, more than likely, not more than likely, you do start to act on it. So if you begin to believe in the God of the Bible, if you begin to really think God's thoughts, more than likely you start acting on reading your Bible. You start acting on attending church. You start acting on serving the local house, the local church, people loving your neighbor. You start acting on praying. You start acting on worship. You start acting on corporate fast. You start acting on all these things. Why? Because you believe it, you think about it, and you act on it. Amen? So I ask you this morning, friend, what do you believe about God? What do you, yes, he does. Amen. What do you believe about God? As an individual, don't come up with this huge, like, you know, I, I just want to sound correct answer for me. No, to yourself, between you and him, I'm asking you, search your heart. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? Do you believe this morning that you can't be loved? Or that you've done too much, that you've heard the message, you've heard the, the gospel, but you still think somewhere deep down what you've done is just taught too, too great, far too great for anybody to ever love you, for anybody to ever pull you in? Do you think that God really can't change you? Do you think that your addictions really can't break? Do you believe that God can't set you free from alcohol and from drugs and from pornography? I feel the Holy Ghost really quick. I'm sorry. Please don't get offended by me. God wants to set a generation of men free from pornography. I got to release this to this service. Men in this room, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to obey this really quick. God is calling you right now to cut it off. God is calling you right now to throw the laptop out, throw the phone out, throw the desktop out. Whatever you got to do, take the TV off the wall. Take the TV off the wall. It's adultery. If you're doing it and you're, and you're married, it's adultery. And God's going to stop this service and say, I want to set you free. I feel the Holy Ghost. 
Men of God in the room, it's time for us to stand up to the occasion, step up to the plate, and break that off in Jesus' name. I heard the Lord. And women, this ain't just for men. If it's you too, break it off. Break it off. I feel, I feel freedom. There's freedom from pornography in the room. We talk about this a lot with youth and young people, but God just literally whispered that in my ear. It's for this house. It's for people. It's for adults in the room. Friend, if you're struggling with that, there's a grace to be free today. There's an anointing to be set free today. Amen? Hallelujah. Back to the message. But you feel like you can't be accepted. If this is what you believe about God, I've come to remind you that you are everything to him. I've come to get the devil out of your head, but not just the devil out of your head. In our charismatic world, I'm as Pentecostal as Pentecostal gets. If we had an organ player every Sunday, you best believe it, man. This would, I would be having it every Sunday. But in the charismatic world, at times, we just like to blame everything on the devil. Well, the devil. Well, the devil. Why do we give the devil so much glory? Why do we give the devil so much light? The devil is under your feet. The devil is a defeated foe. A lot of the times, it's not the devil. It's your own self. It was your decision. It was your thought. It was you going there. It was you doing that. So yes, we're going to do business with the devil. He's easy to do business with. The blood of Jesus. But we're going to have to do business with your flesh too. And Paul says, kill it. Paul says, deny it. Jesus says, if it causes you to sin, cut that hand off. Amen? So it's not just... The devil that we're going to deal business with, it's our own self. we got to tell ourselves, get out of our head. we got to tell ourselves, it's time for me to stop believing the way the world believes and believe the way the kingdom believes. God, fill my mind with your thoughts. Fill my plan with your agenda. God, fill my life with your spirit. Can I get an amen in this house? Amen. You are loved. You are chosen. You are heard. You are seen. And you are not alone. One of my favorite things to quote in all scripture, the Bible says, for the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved. The Bible also says that I have never seen the righteous forsaken. So not only is God a safe place, he's a safe place that never goes anywhere. He's not a temporary safe safe place. He's not a seasonal safe place. He is an eternal safe place. And the righteous run in and they are safe. Friend, you're safe this morning. Friend, you're loved this morning. Friend, you're chosen this morning. Friend, you're accepted this morning. Friend, you're healed this morning. Friend, you belong this morning. Amen? And Matthew 28, 20 tells us that he is with us even to the end, to the end of the age. He's never going anywhere. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is with you when nobody else is with you. He is for you when nobody else is for you. God is not going anywhere. And number two, we're going to pray a bit of the Lord's Prayer. Pray, Father, your will be done and not mine. You know, something cracks me up all the time. But I was a big sports guy, still am. Pray for me. I'm in recovery right now. Uh, the Green Bay Packers lost last night. Uh, so, I, you know what? I turned that idol off, and I'm not going to watch any more NFL football till Sunday night. <laughs> I'm watching the Super Bowl. Don't clap. I'm watching the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't feel convicted over that. But anyway, I got upset last night because my Green Bay Packers lost, and Pastor Luke texted me, and Pastor Larry texted me, and, you know, and Jim, another friend of mine, we're all, we're all rooting for the Packers, and things happen in life. But 
I remember that when I was playing football in high school, we would always pray the Lord's Prayer. And it kind of cracked me up because, you know, I get praying healing and protection and all that, but our coach would get so fired up as if God was really involved in this game. And I was just like, yes, he's there. He's protecting us. But it was just like really like God wants you to go defeat Goliath. No, man, God, these, these, they're not Goliath. Like every message was just super spiritual around football. And I would always just get tickled about it. And um, it, it reminded me of this. And we would always pray, Lord, your will be done, not mine, as if his will was for us to go undefeated <laughs> and win the state championship in football. Every, our coach would take his head off. And, Lord, we pray your will be done, not ours. Coach, what's his will? To win, 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 win. And I was just like, something was just not right about that because we never won the state championship. Um, so, but in this context, Number two, pray, Father, your will be done, not mine. Catch the last part, verse 2 of Romans 12. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Talking about after letting, after you let God transform, excuse me, the way you think. After letting God renew your mind, then you'll know his perfect will for your life. After you let God renew your mind, then you'll know his perfect will for your life. The definition of perfect is having all the required, desired elements, qualities, characteristics, as good as possible. The definition of perfect is as good as possible. It can't get better than this. Friend, when you are in the will of God, it can't get better than that. When you are in the will of God for your life, it's as good as possible. It is right where you're supposed to be. There's nothing better. There's nothing greater. The will of God is as good as possible. And friend, being in the will of God for your life is right where you need to be. Come on, when you're in God's will for your life, you are in a limitless life. You are in a limitless life. I, seven years ago, if you would have told me seven years ago that after we did not win the state championship in football, that I would be in God's will for my, will for my life, preaching in Florida, pastoring um, here in Florida, in Inverness, Florida, I would have thought you were crazy. Now, I might have believed I would be in Florida, but preaching, pastoring in Inverness, Florida, I would have never believed it seven years ago. Seven years ago, if you would have told me you're going to have a wife, you have two kids in seven years, I'd never believed you. Never believed you. But all of a sudden, I got in God's will for my life. And when I got in God's will for my life, he took me to an Ephesians 3.20 type of place. And you know what that says, friends? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. What's that power that works in you, friend? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's on the inside of you. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen.
All of a sudden, seven years ago, I decided I'm tired of living the way I want to live, and I want to get in God's will for my life. And when I got in God's will for my life, he took me above everything I ever thought was possible, exceedingly, abundantly, above it all. He took me to places I never dreamed of going. He gave me power I never dreamed of having. He gave me dominion. He gave me faith. He gave me, oh, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. He gave me authority. He gave me a strength that I did not know I had. It's because I got in the will of God. And some of you in this place, you say, how do I know I'm in the will of God? Let's read Romans 12 again. One and two. And so, dear brothers, this is the Apostle Paul. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he finds acceptable. Remember, I told you to, you know, highlight he finds acceptable. Remember that. You know, when we talk about he finds acceptable, a lot of people when concerning the New Testament, they're like, did he really talk like that? Yeah, he really did in Romans. He really does call you to live separate from the world. He really does call you to live holy. He really does call you to have something different about you. He really does call you to look like you're the real deal. The Apostle Paul, he makes it clear that God would find acceptable. I don't know about you, but let that keep you up at night. (laughs) God, do you find my life acceptable? God, are you pleased with the way I live? It's important to God, so much so that he said this is true worship. But don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. So you say, how do I know God's will for my life? Let God change your mind. Pray for God to change the way you think. Pray for God to renew your mind. And it's pretty clear. Then you'll come to know. Then you'll learn God's will for your life. you got to let God change your life. And I love this. When it says you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And it's not just good, pleasing, and perfect for us but it's good, pleasing, and perfect for him. I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. Can I trust you? Okay, I'm not telling you. We're just going to close this up. That was a terrible response. All right, no, I'm joking. Um, Can I trust you with a secret? Please don't tell nobody. It's very embarrassing, but I trust you, okay? So if I know I'm preaching on a Sunday morning, or if I know before youth on Tuesdays, or before I go on the road and preach, I do something that's embarrassing, but it's powerful. Um, And what that is, is I sneak over here. So our offices are here, but I wait till Alex leaves. And I wait till nobody's in here. And I get my key, and I come over here, and I come in here. And I turn the lights on, and I set up the pulpit, and I get my iPad out, and I imagine you're all here. And I preach my message two or three times. So much so, I preach it over till it's in me because one of my mentors said, never preach a message that you don't know without your notes. And that has stayed with me my whole life. I preach it till I know it. And I'll preach in here to nobody, but I imagine you're there. I'll say something good, and then I'll say, say amen, Pauls. Amen. Fire myself. And then at the end, I'll make an altar call. Come on, these altars are open. And then I'll play pretend and run off and run to the altar. Lay hands on myself, catch myself, and get back up again. It's so good. 
I have God moments in here. If there was security cameras in here or footage in here, you guys would absolutely roll on the floor, man. Yesterday, as I was reading this at the end of verse 2, and it says, it is good and pleasing and perfect for us, the Lord spoke to me. And that's where I got that little part. And he said, son, it's also good, pleasing, and perfect for me that when you're in my will, it's right where I want you to be. And tears started to flow from my face. I ran to that column right there and just punched it. And ran back to the stage, and I was fired up, man. And I was weeping. I was like, yes, he loves me. I just overcome. I FaceTime my wife. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm preaching. She said, to who? I said, to all these people. They'll be here tomorrow. And I showed her the room. She said, why are you crying like that? I said, because this altar service is about to be so good. And she's just like, well, good for you, honey. I was like, thank you. We'll talk about it later. And she's like, okay, talk about it later. Only thing, I should get her to come in here and do worship too. I mean, we'll take it to the next level. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's how I prepare. That's how I get fired up. And I've done it for, I've been preaching now for five years. I've done it for five years. When I was in Bible college, it was hilarious. I've always had to be this way. So in one of our uh, fi- final exams, I had to preach before pa- uh, the leadership team. And you had to, like, really win them over with your preaching. And I was, like, so nervous. You know, all these just men of God, they know the word way better than I know the word. And they're just wise. And I'm just this young kid. And I was just like, I got to figure this out. So I snuck down to my dorm. Everybody, we were upstairs. I went downstairs, middle of the night, thought everybody's asleep, opened my Bible, and I just start preaching in the living room as if I was preaching to them. All my roommates, they all wake up, come down the stairs. What are you doing, man? I said, I'm preparing. I'm preparing. And what I have come to know is God honors stuff like that. God honors stuff like that. Whenever God calls you to do something, friend, get prepared for it. Dive into it. Study yourself approved. Know what you're going to say. Read the Bible. Pray into it. Prophesy into it. God blesses and honors that. And that's why I believe, one, by the power of his word, whatever he says is true. But two, that's why I believe we're about to have such a powerful moment in this place. Why? Because somebody has prayed. Why? Because somebody prophesied. Why? Because somebody believed that God would show up. And when you believe that God shows up, and when you believe that God comes, he always does. Can I say, can I get an amen? Still in that preaching mode. Can I say amen? I say it to myself. One of the ways you know you're in God's will for your life is you have to change the way you think. It's clear. Once you change the way you think, the renewing of your mind, then you'll come to know God's will for your life.